Welcome to the Roll Bama Roll podcast. I'm Wesley Gullett. As always, I'll be joined by Brad Canning. Brad, the early signing period for recruiting in the 21 class started Wednesday. One of my pet peeves in the early period is people nationally viewing it as if the class is finalized and the cycle's done. And granted, most kids are signing early now, but I want to go into this recognizing that we'll know more in February when, the, when the, these classes finish. Mm-hmm. And we'll take a deeper look in the class as a whole when that time comes. With that said, I have some trivia for you. Okay. As of now, who has the worst class, the lowest ranked recruiting class in all of Power Five? I feel like it's a trick question. Uh, yes. Uh, yeah. It really is. Because it's not going to be this is unexpected. <laughs> it, can I go with a Michigan? <laughs> oh, I wish. Yeah. Uh, it's not like an Illinois this year. It's not that unexpected. Okay. Yeah. So we already know it's not Tennessee because we talked about them last week. Yeah. Um, I'm not going to be able to guess it in enough time. So I'll give you a with... hint. The same okay. division as Tennessee. Okay. Kentucky? No. Vanderbilt. Yeah, there you go. No. Wow. Yeah. You wow. would think. You would think the obvious answer is Vanderbilt, but it is South Carolina. How does that happen? Exactly. They only have nine commitments, so they're going to move up by default, but they have the 107th-ranked recruiting class in the country right now. That's almost as talented as if they had a top-ten class. Oh, it is. I mean, it's it's less probable. Yeah. Uh, How? you? I get they fired Muschamp. I get it. (laughs) But where do you still go wrong? Oh, and but even for context, okay, so they're they're sandwiched in between Eastern Michigan and New Mexico State. Their highest-ranked recruit is not in the top 600 players in the country. Jeez. They're they're okay. I looked this up. I'll have I got to remember off the top of my head. Their highest-ranked recruit is like 619th in the country. Alabama's lowest-ranked recruit is 622nd. So their highest-ranked recruit would literally be Alabama's. Second lowest ranked recruit, yeah. In the entire class. So, but, but I, I feel like it's pre Lou Holtz era again. Oh yeah, for perspective, just another program that fired their head coach before this signing period. Vanderbilt, mm-hmm. they have the 49th ranked class. So wow. this right now, this is a disaster for South Carolina. Yeah, it's it's a sandstorm over there, man. That that is just terrible. How how is Vanderbilt forty nine? That's impressive too. As it, crazy it really as is. it is, yeah, it's, it's not that bad. Yeah. Oh, one more, and we'll go into more detail when everything's final. Like I said in February, but yeah. a couple things to look out for. One more, a team that fired their coach is Auburn. They have the fortieth mm-hmm. the fortieth ranked class in the country right now. They're sandwiched in between Rutgers and Boston College. Yeah, but beating Vanderbilt by nine is all they're good at anyways, so. <laughs> hey, about once a decade, they lose to Vanderbilt. Yeah, that's true. That's true. It's like the thorn in their side, but okay. Hey, can so, we, can, can, I mean, can we relish in the fact that there was a legitimate or still is a legitimate chance they paid Gus $21 million just to bring Kevin Steele up the hallway a little bit more? Because that is just the most Auburn thing that we have ever seen. How do they pay a man $21 million without knowing their next move? Uh, that that's Auburn. It, I mean, seriously, you can't even script this. The, the night that it happened, they're like, "Oh, Gus is getting twenty-one and a half million dollars." Auburn knows exactly what they're doing. It's either yeah. Mario Cristobal or Hugh Freeze, hundred percent. And then here we are, several days later, and 
one, they're interviewing Steve Sarkeesian, which would which I am not thrilled about. But yeah. hopefully it's Kevin Steele. Hopefully it's just anybody not named Steve Sarkeesian. Yeah, Sark would be the worst. That's that would be a gut punch. But okay. Second thing to look out for is the rise of Lane Kiffin and the <laughs> fall of Michael Leach. Oh. Yeah. A few weeks ago, Mississippi State had a higher ranked class than Ole Miss. Then they lost three of their top five commitments. Ole Miss gained a ton of momentum. They flipped a, a four-star quarterback from Florida State. They flipped a four-star tight end from Tennessee. Hate that for them. They flipped a four-star athlete from Mississippi State. Ole Miss rose to the top 20, and Mississippi State dropped to 36th. Mike Leach was quoted, Brad, as saying, quote, this class is what it is, <laughs> end quote. Okay, freaking Coach O. Like, I mean, damn. Talk about saying the things that don't matter or that you shouldn't say. I mean, it is what it is. It's just out of the hell with it. You know, we got some guys and we'll just do whatever. Yeah, uh, we got some dudes and we're still just going to throw it every time. Yeah. Whatever. Yeah. This is yeah. ring, ringing endorsement there. Though. Yeah, all we need is, you know, 10 touchdowns out of 100 <laughs> throws. So, you know, shit, we got it. Yeah, we talked about our, our thoughts on Leach and, and his recruiting and what we think yep. he'd, he'll do at State. And every single day, I am more convinced <laughs> that the Mike Leach experiment is going to fail in Starkville. Maybe he'll have a good year or two there. Maybe. I don't know. But there is no sustainability there with the classes that he's accustomed to signing. It is just not going to happen. He was going after reporters telling him to email articles to him so he can prove freedom and edit them uh, ahead of time. That way he can critique their work since they critique <laughs> his. So that's where we're at in the Mike Leach experience right now. Yeah, I just I don't know that Mike Leach is made for, for the uh, the SEC. But anyways, we, we went into the early period thinking there may not be many fireworks for Nick Saban and staff. Uh, it was entirely possible, if not probable, that – Alabama would sign the guys they had committed and then kind of reset for the, for the February signing period. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, were, we were wrong. Mm-hmm. Alabama flipped two highly ranked LSU commitments. Uh, Brad, what was that thing Ed Orgeron was saying in the locker room last year? Tuscaloosa? <sighs> you know, I didn't write it down, but it was something about we're going to kick their butts uh, on recruiting. Uh, we're going to kick their butts every time we play. Um, yeah. So that recruiting thing, uh, first off, early in the day, mm. Alabama flipped Keanu Coat, the pass rusher from Florida. I brought him up last week mm-hmm. as a, a flip possibility, but if you remember, I didn't know if I was really buying those rumors. Coat had kind of been saying all the right things to the LSU side leading up to signing day, and then our guy, Sal Sanzari, Mm-hmm. He swooped in and closed. And speaking of, we don't bring up Sal. Dude, I was about to say the same thing. That much, but worth his weight in gold. Go Hope back he- 10 years yeah. ago, we were in love with him. We were giving him all those props. And then it's just like he's chopped liver now because he falls <laughs> behind the cat, the charisma of, you know, Steve Sarkeesian, yeah, uh, the PTSD of Pete Golding, you know. So yeah. if Sal Sanzari is an Alabama lifer, wonderful. All for it. Yeah. So Keanu Coat could end up being a big piece to this class, not only on the field, but on paper. You remember, uh, it's probably been a month or two ago, we talked about the possibility of Alabama signing the highest-ranked class of all time. Keanu Coat could play a part in that because of the ranking discrepancy with him, which is really, really wide. 24-7, this is, this is re- insane. 24-7 has him ranked as the 64th overall player in the country. Lofty ranking. Rivals, on the other hand, 
has him ranked as a three-star and the 59th-ranked player in the state of Florida. Wow, that's Mike Farrell all day. <laughs> so, one <laughs> site has him 64th in the country. The other has him 59th in his own state. How does that yeah. even happen? That, that, that tells you all you need to know about rivals. I mean, just right there alone. Yeah. Where it comes into play when it comes to shooting for the top class of all time is the guy that you just brought up, Mike Farrell. Mm-hmm. He's, he's the head of recruiting, for those who don't know, at Rivals. He has already said Keanu Coat is due a large rankings boost in the next update, which I'm sure LSU fans are just going to love. Yeah, fake news. Uh, but <laughs> based on his senior season, which has been phenomenal, he is set to get a huge rankings bump uh, on Rivals. So his composite ranking is going to reflect that. Yeah. Yeah, there are several targets left in this class for February, so it could happen in a number of ways. But as it sits right now, if, and this is a gigantic if, Alabama lands a commitment from JTT, the uh, D lineman from Washington, five-star, top-ten player, mm-hmm. it could put, or it, it would put them .4 points shy of the top-ranked class ever, which we said currently is Florida's two 2010 class which yeah still don't believe that but never not be weird to say yeah if you factor in coat getting a boost in the composite you make up that point four and more and it may literally only take one player one more commitment to make this happen for the 21 alabama class that's incredible to think that yet again we're in a position when hell you can go back eight months ago not even. And we were over here. I'm not going to say we were hitting the panic button, but we, uh, we weren't rah rah too hard either. So it was a slow start. It, it was the slowest, at least in recent memory. And boy, uh, not going to question that one again next spring, are we? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I saw somebody bring up, Hey, they only have one commitment in the 2022 class. So oh, happening? here we go. <laughs> <laughs> We've already had like one decommitment, uh, Alexander, like the big time kid from yeah. uh, the insect kid. Not going to sucker us in this time. Yeah, it's falling apart, man. Yeah. So the other flip from LSU was JoJo Earl, wide receiver from Texas, top 50 overall player in the composite. He's the fifth-ranked wide receiver in the entire class. Brad, I know Alabama has pulled some stunners in the Saban era, but this might have been the most surprising signing day commitment I can ever remember, ever. I don't know if there's a lot of people even wanting to go on the edge of trying to hint this could happen. No. If there's someone else specifically you can think of, and I'm just blanking on that, tell me. But this is the biggest signing day surprise of the Saban era that I can remember. I mean, there's been some big ones. There has been. I mean, there. I, I had somebody bring up. I had a, a couple of players brought up. Uh, yeah, uh, Cyrus Quanjo, T.J. Yeldon. Yeah, yeah. Cyrus Quanjo was super weird because he committed to <laughs> Auburn on live TV on signing day and then signed with Alabama. So, <laughs> That was that was odd. There was a uh, uh, Rashawn Evans was a stunner. Yep. Auburn already had him loaded in their uh, yeah their website. website. God, <laughs> never forget that screen grab too. Uh, um, but but JoJo Earl, this guy's name wasn't even mentioned as a legitimate option through any yeah. point of this cycle. At no point, basically, none of us knew this was even a possibility until about two hours before his signing ceremony. I mean, it read like Alabama just happened to reach out to this guy <laughs> like the day before he signed. They just asked, <laughs> asked him to wait. And then 24 hours later, Nick Saban's getting a letter of intent from a top five player, a, a top five receiver in the country out of nowhere. It just goes to show 
when you the goat and you shoot a you up text, I mean, look, you're going to get a response. <laughs> I'm just saying. <laughs> uh, Alabama now has four of the top nine receivers in the country signed. And, ah, that's just terrible. Yeah. By the way, it looks like there's still a spot for another top 15 receiver in February and Brian Thomas, who is a top 100 player. We've been through what they had before. I've went down the list of, yeah. of like how absurd this class is, position by position. So we won't do that again, at least not until February. But, Man, I'm going to tell you, uh, wow. that message board grab uh, about, you know, Joyless Murderball and Nick yeah. Saban, mm-hmm. yeah, that, that gave me life. I, I think everyone <laughs> that came across that, uh, that was some of the best – eggnog we're gonna have this christmas because that just that was a gift yes the ed orgeron prophecy in the locker room last season dead on arrival so all right moving on let's talk heisman odds have you taken a look at who who the top two and i bet you can guess who the top two betting favorites are for the heisman well i know it's not gonna be anyone in south carolina from what i've learned so um (laughs) yeah yeah not any time in the next four years either yeah we're gonna have to go with a mac daddy and uh (laughs) go a little smitty over here yeah so. so this has been really crazy to follow because i'm uh, first of all i'm actually starting to believe that a wide receiver may win the heisman man i was the same way with coop though too this this feels more real it does it does in a way but i think it's because he it's good that he has his own quarterback going with him in this yeah which is absurd but for the first time since 1991 i think a wide receiver could win it uh, on Sunday morning, after Kyle Trask turned the ball over three times and lost to a three and five LSU team because somebody shoe a th- or somebody shoe a through somebody <laughs> threw a shoe. <laughs> and by the way, I think despite the LSU game, Trask still has a chance. If no, yeah, he could light up and go for four touchdowns, three hundred fifty yards. He's going to be right there yeah, in it. Yeah, if Florida pulls a miracle, they win. He has a big game. He's going to win it, but. Sunday was interesting seeing how things changed. On Sporting News, they had Mac Jones as a minus 300 favorite with, with Kyle Trask second at plus 250. Then Devontae Smith was way in third at plus 1,000. So there was a large gap between the, t- the two quarterbacks and everybody else that morning. Then over about an eight-hour time span, later in that day, MGM updated their odds, and we saw a massive swing with Mac Jones still being the favorite at minus 200, but Devontae Smith was second at plus 250, and then Kyle Trask was the one in, in a distant third. So th- this thing could actually happen. Yeah, I mean, I think you need a big game from both, and then you let everyone have fun. Because I think if Smitty goes for 150, 200 yards again, he gets him, you know, a good punt or kickoff return, Yeah, I, that might wrap it up no matter what happens to Mac. Yep. And for, for the record, I was a guest on another podcast this week. I cheated on you. Brad? Uh, well, I'm used to it. Uh, <laughs> but not the first time. Yeah, will be the last. But they asked me about Devontae Smith and the Heisman and all that, and I said this exact same thing. Put me in the camp of people who would vote for Devontae Smith. No, he, I would uh, – I'm, I'm right there with you, man. Screw the norm. Love you, Mac. But I think Smitty, I got to give it to him. He is the best player in the country. I uh, am not the only one who thinks that because the Devontae Smith for Heisman talk has ramped up since the LSU game, his odds skyrocketed. And like you said, what if we see that repeat performance of the LSU game? What yeah. if he goes for 200? What if he goes for three touchdowns? What if he scores on special teams? I don't know how you can't yeah. do it. None of that is out of the realm of possibility. Best player. 
that is the best player again going off if that happens. Sure. You could get your stereotypical, your run of the mill, the winning quarterback gets the trophy scenario. But there's that third option right now in this game, and he's gaining a lot of momentum. (laughs) And he could really blow this – like you said, he blow the norm up. Yeah. It's just weird that, you know, the SEC championship has uh, three Heisman Trophy finalists in it. Uh, but one of them is not a quarterback for Georgia. So, um, <laughs> who would have thought? Shout out Stetson Bennett. You know, I'm just saying. They had uh, actually three Heisman winning quarterbacks this year, right? They had uh, the preseason Heisman. Yeah, the guy from Wake Forest that yeah, immediately I've left. Literally already forgot that guy's name. Yeah, same here. And then uh, you have Stetson oh, Bennett. Well, no, then there was the second one, the guy that started the first the first game. He's in the transfer portal now. Oh. Uh, Oh, okay. He was their second Heisman winner. <laughs> and then, yeah. uh, then we had Stetson Bennett. And now JT Daniels, hey, he's next year's yeah. Heisman winner. So, yeah. uh, Just when you thought Auburn and Jeremy Johnson was a, uh, a, a curse, you got the Georgia curse here. So. <laughs> Georgia's um, going to win the offseason national championship for the 30th year in a row now. I, I have a feeling, though, Florida's giving them a run for their money. Just yeah. uh, We'll see what this offseason brings. <laughs> All right. Well, regardless, um, going back to the Heisman Trophy, as long as one of the two from Alabama. Oh, please. Yes. Yeah, as long as it comes back to Tuscaloosa, I'll be more than ecstatic. If Mac wins it, I'll be so incredibly happy for him. And think about that, too. We had Jalen Hurts, Tua Tungavailoa, and Mac Jones in the same quarterback room all at one time. Mm-hmm. And – Mac would be the one to win the Heisman. I know. That is the damnedest thing. Nobody would have took those odds back in the day. (laughs) Anyways, all right. Finally, we have the SEC Championship this week. For me personally, it hasn't, but uh, because the conference championship will always be a big deal to me. But do you feel like nationally this game maybe lost a little luster after Florida's debacle? Oh, of course. Yeah, of course. It's air. It's a little bit of air being let out, I think. Yeah. Because, you, you know, and always you want that big matchup, but you want that that true competition for Bama, you know, because everyone's always going to say we never play anybody or when they feel like we have a chance to actually play a quarterback worth a damn in their eyes uh, and that team is a legitimate threat, that's what they're going to want to see is that caliber opponent come up. And let's see if Alabama is legit. I feel like even online it died down some, and maybe for good reason. If Alabama loses, they're still in. Yeah, I mean, there's, that's the thing. Yeah, there's virtually no chance Alabama's left out of the playoff at this point. And even if Florida wins, I think they'd have to almost embarrass Alabama to be considered at this and point. they need a, has a lot of other dominoes to fall tomorrow, yeah. too. And, and maybe I'm wrong there, but Florida took a lot of mystery out of this game last weekend. Yeah. It just is what it is. I mean, uh, biggest mystery leading up to this is who, who's going to win the Heisman Trophy. Uh, that's honestly that's true that and who's the fourth spot so yeah i mean you know neither mac or or Devontae are going into the conference championship game putting the hosman first but no. this is the first time i can remember two guys from the same team going into one game to to decide the hosman trophy winner and, and, and as backward as it sounds that feels like the biggest storyline yeah, and, you know, the, the fact that uh, Clown Shoes Clown Shoot at the presser, um, <laughs> you know, I'm glad that the two Heisman finalists from Alabama, you know, those are going to be the two guys that have the opportunity to, to make them meet those words. So that only sets the tale to be even better. So, yeah. Well, I do feel like Alabama is going to get one major question answered Saturday, and that's the one that I think is in, in the back of a lot of our minds. It's is the defense that we've seen after mm-hmm. the Ole Miss game 
the one that now leads the SEC in scoring defense, the one that's 11th in the country in scoring defense, is that the real defense? Yeah. Or has this all been fool's gold? Yeah, and uh, best believe you boys going to be doing some overreacting on every big play we give up, <laughs> that it's the end of the damn world. I'm just going to tell down, you now. fire Pete. Yeah. yeah, and then after that, you know, you get your little knot maybe hopefully in this game, you know, and it's going to yeah. be the greatest thing. Keep them lifetime contract. Let's do it. So, Because uh, let's be real, and there might be some people listening to this that's not, not going to like this, but Alabama has not faced an elite offense since the Ole Miss game. No. No, and, and but they've done what they've done defensively too. They should, they did what they should do defensively since then as well. Yeah, uh, yeah. I think there's zero doubt that we've seen major improvements since that week. They're starting, to, they're getting to the quarterback. There are specific specific players who are noticeably improved, like say yep. Chris Allen. Yep. He's all of a sudden making big play after big play, like every quarter it seems like. Mm-hmm. And I want to eat crow on this defense. I want to. I want yep. to look back at Pete Golding and say I was wrong. Yeah. I want to feel confidence that a Pete Golding defense can keep an offense like Florida's at bay, but I'm not ready yet. I just like I need I need to see it. Well, you know, and how how I know it'll never be that way for you either, is if I told you tomorrow Jeremy Pruitt's fired, you're gonna want his ass on a plane to Tuscaloosa in a heartbeat. (laughs) Oh, speaking of, did you see the the Jeremy Pruitt quote that's going around? No. Let me let me bring it up real quick. Uh, okay, here, here, I'm just going to read the article, or the, the paragraph in the article. All right. All right. A few weeks back, as discontent grew among volunteer boosters and fans, that, like like a few weeks back was the only time that discontent was growing. Yeah, yeah. It's been discontent for two decades. About the future of head coach Jeremy Pruitt, rumors flew that Pruitt, himself discontent with the program and his lack of support, told people around the program that he'd just as soon, quote, go back to coaching defense for Nick, then put up with this blank. Okay. Well, I know Fat Phil loved those words. So. <laughs> Can you <laughs> – a Tennessee head coach basically saying, <laughs> I'd rather be in Tuscaloosa calling defense than being here as your head coach. Has there ever been more shade thrown on Tennessee by their own coach <laughs> than that statement right there? Like, they could go snitch on themselves to the NCAA. It'll never be as strong of a betrayal as that right there. Yeah, it's beautiful. Yeah. We God, like we brought love, up dude, he's gotta come back. I love this man. <laughs> yeah. That's what I said. Like defensive coordinator at Alabama is his rightful spot. Yep. I don't care who else has the job title right now. If he wants to come back, bring him back. I don't care who you have to fire. You know, that alone you could phrase that in such context so easily to make it seem like he's miserable as hell because it is Tennessee. And <laughs> yeah. for that reason alone, those words need to be on the walk of champions. I'm just saying. Just too much Alabama in him. Yeah, just too much Bama in him. <laughs> All right. Uh, this has been the Roll Bama Roll podcast. Roll Tide.